This is the unfiltered truth about entrepreneurship. Raw, no BS, no sugarcoating. Welcome to Entrepreneur Intel. I'm your host, Wes Matthews. Each episode, we'll learn from experienced founders and uncover the top 5% learnings that led to their success in all things personal, family, and business. This show is sponsored by Stealth Consulting, delivering clear marketing strategies, ROI, and no surprises. So today's guest is someone whose story I can't wait to share. She's an entrepreneur who believes in making the world a healthier place. She has a strong sales background that has helped her propel the business forward. She, she literally grew, grew up in her industry, uh, having been surrounded by her parents' business from a young age, where she is now the managing partner at Fitness Things. Welcome, Kristen Tassielli. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, so My first so podcast. I'm yeah, kind of nervous, I'm, but I'm, I'm excited. I'm so excited you're here. So I'm going to dive right in. Let's go. Uh, fitness is things. You have about 40 team members. Some are majority W-2. Some are contractors. Yep. Uh, I do about $7 million in revenue. You've been doing this for about 18 years. I got to mm-hmm. ask you, what is the most important thing as an entrepreneur you've learned thus far? I think the biggest thing that I've learned is, is really that bigger isn't always better. That having, you know, I've we've been different sizes as a company. Um I've had a lot of employees. I've had more revenue. I've had, and I've been there. And I, I just profitability and, yeah, bigger isn't always better. It's probably for me a lesson that that was hard to learn, but I'm glad I did. So the the company's fitness things. Mm-hmm. So I want to clarify what fitness things does before we kind of dive in, because I think bef- many many years before I I met you, uh. I remember seeing the the muscle the, the muscle, muscle mailbox on Ann Arbor Road in Sheldon for for local Michigan people, and I was always yeah. like, "What is that?" Right? Like, is it a gym? Is it a this? Is it a, is it a that? And then, so I met you, so then I really started to understand your business. So, talk a little bit about what what is fitness things today. So, yeah, I love the enigma of it. That's kind of fun, but. Um, so, fitness things. My mom and dad started it in 1984, and it started really as like a a retail location. My mom was an aerobics instructor. My dad was in a machine shop, actually managing a warehouse. And they decided to partner up with um, one of their friends at the time. And it was really rowing machines, leg warmers, leotards, what you picture of of the early to mid-80s. And it natu- it just it's really like right time, right place. They They were able to build it serendipitously into supplying YMCAs. This is when things started to move more towards a commercial Ford Motor Company, Detroit Athletic Club. These became their first clients that were like, where do I get equipment? And they just kind of maneuvered and did it. And we began really as a retail location that just naturally morphed into a commercial presence. Um, And then as we go on, um, we ended up and at least in my journey, it's not just fitness things. It's also all pro exercise. That was uh, we acquired that company, which was actually our largest competitor in Michigan. That we December of 2016, and um, that's kind of that's where we are today. So, yeah, I'm going to put a pin in that acquiring your biggest competitor. Like we're going to get there, and I want to hear all about that. Yeah. So early on, right? So your parents kind of navigate this business. And mm-hmm. you know, from what I understand, you know, so like industrial equipment. So talk to me a little bit about the fitness industry because you, 
you hit on some things I remember. Like I grew up in the '80s and '90s, and I think like big puffy pink socks and jazzer size kind of things and home yeah. equipment starting to hit the market. I, I think I had a treadmill at one point that you know we would just throw clothes on and we kind of never used it. Yeah, like that industry to me has shifted and shaped so much. I mean, you have the insider knowledge on that. Um, yeah. Like when you started, like what did that look like? And like, what was the journey early, early in that business? There are multiple components and facets to it. It's very niche. So it's it's something that diversification and, and products availability, like what your line is and what you're distributing is very important. Um, having a service and installation aspect to it. There's There's so many parts of this business that are revenue streams that are very interesting, but the diversification in this industry is incredibly important. I don't know a single company in this industry that has survived without diversification. So just to give you an idea, the best I can compare it to, kind of going back without going too far down a wormhole, is um, car dealerships. We basically, in this industry, you're, you're bidding kind of a territory and you're representing certain manufacturers and lines. And within that manufacturer and line, there's different markets that you're able to that you are distributing to. Those manufacturers are responsible for supporting you in that and making sure that you're competitively, that we're able to be competitively priced and still make money. They send us leads. And my agreement to them is to hit a certain number and I have to service, install, and represent that company to their standards and ours or exceed them in many, in many cases. So I have a couple close friends now that are in the dealership world and mm-hmm. talking to them it's a phenomenal business, but I mm-hmm. asked the question, like, could you do that? Could you start this business today? And they're like, no, yep. like we, it, it, so I want to ask you that same question because I have a lot of questions and a lot of a curiosity around how do you like, how, how are you fitness and things? The one that gets that manufacturer relationship with some of your manufacturers and distributors. So, so I understand is that who, who's like the big player in that space and like what, what products are you representing? So we represent Life Fitness uh, and their family of brands. We represent True and their family of brands. We represent Core and their family of brands. But Life Fitness and True are our main from a commercial standpoint. And we have the Michigan, Wisconsin, and Illinois territories. And we represent them in the majority of our vertical markets, corporates. We do... Um, more the boutique gyms, not the and not the membership based ones that you're going to like the big YMCA's or the Planet Fitness. That's not they have national contracts. Our customer is more the one who doesn't have their own service. They need to have somebody who's coming in and doing the service for them um, and need help more in like product selection. We do a lot of layout design, that kind of thing. But um, so to get back to yeah, the, the manufacturers that we represent are one aspect of it. Then, similar to a car dealership, you have maybe a used. We have a used, which I don't have. I We can take any manufacturer. We just need to make sure that it's something that we can support from a parts standpoint and my techs can work on. So we have that aspect. And then retail-wise, that's different. So retail, I consider more homeowners or people that are, are just coming to get something for their home gym. Those lines are slightly different and less well-known. Yeah, so like life fitness and core. I mean, I'm I'm not like a big, mm-hmm. I'm not in the space, but th- those are the two to me the two big names in this space of like quality equipment too. because I, I remember like Kmart back in the day as a kid and like you'd mm-hmm. see like you know treadmills and stuff and a lot of it's yeah. garbage. 
like core life fitness, this is expensive equipment. Like how do you how do you get that exclusivity in these states, right? Because I'm sure there it's a dog eat dog competitive industry you're in, but somehow, some way you've got this on lock. Well, I think part of it was my parents starting it at the ground and being one of the few. So so the name and the reputation was there. That's number one. Number two, the barrier to entry in this is difficult because you have to have a certain amount of inventory and that's a lot of cash. So if you're looking to start your own business and go into something, you've got to have a, a warehouse of a significant size. You've got to have trucks. You've got to have service people. You've got to have X amount of inventory sitting there. And that's hard to start if you're looking just to start a business and you're not in this industry. Um, it's risky. Not many make it. It's interesting. So if somebody is, is wanting to start a business and they're, I mean, I guess, I don't know if the appropriate term is like middleman, right? Or like you're a distributor, mm -hmm. sure. but you have to, do you have to pre-order that equipment before you sell it? Or is it just in time? Or you have people that want to start a business that's like, man, I just, I don't want to hold inventory because what, what worked last week may not work this week and I can't get stuck with all these SKUs or all this product. You know, is that always been the same way in, in your industry or is that changing a little bit or? I mean, there are certain things that you have to keep. Uh, the stuff's heavy. So you don't want to just ship one. You've got to ship. You've got to get a lot at one time to maximize the profit on it. Right. And and I can get better pricing that way from my manufacturers when I'm purchasing in bulk like anything. But I also kind of going back, I have that quota. I have that quota that I have to hit with these manufacturers, um, and that determines my pricing. But sometimes I, it depends. A lot of the commercial industry has moved towards customization, so I can't stock customized products. If if I'm doing something for you know one of the universities, a lot of them want the the frames and the upholstery to be the school colors. Those kind of things I can't stock. I, I have to order those, and I have to order those custom. Um, and there's a lot of like odd configuration, but there's that aspect. But most of like, you know, the dumbbells, typical treadmills, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, we're, we do stock those. But the reason isn't for us to have it. The reasons to save money on shipping because Got it's it. so it's so heavy. <clears throat> Our average commercial treadmill weighs 350 to 400 pounds. Just one. Wow. So is 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 your target? I'm, I'm interested in who the market who who you serve is it i'm thinking like hospitals or in michigan we have like the dac mm -hmm. industrial do you see like what's happening now since covid i'm sure there's a lot to talk about pre-covid because oh god my wife was looking for weights i'm gonna start like, twitch I, I had to like you know hunt you down to grab something but like you know you have post-covid where offices and people are working from home I, I would assume that there's some large companies that use like, hey, we have a gym inside or like there's access as like a, you know, an added benefit. Like how have you mm -hmm. seen that evolve over the last, you know, five, five or so years? I mean, the last, it, it, COVID's like an anomaly that I, I don't even know how to, it was weird. It was a weird time for us. We went through, there's kind of two parts to this question that I'm hearing is one is where it's like, where is it that the market aspect, right? Yeah. And then- so if if I were to look at the market aspects and and who it is, I would say a lot of university, high school, anybody who's not, you're not paying a monthly membership fee unless you're like at a golf club or a high-end club. 
our clientele tends to be educated. They are fitness enthusiasts that that know what they're getting on. They're not using it as the clothes hanger that you brought up earlier. They're comfortable getting on a piece of equipment. Um, but they're not necessarily, I mean, it's not all meatheads. But we are, so our main markets that we're serving are, we do some in medical. That's usually physical therapy and cardiac rehab. So those clinics that you see going around or any of the hospital systems, we do that. A huge thing that we do in the hospital systems is not necessarily with their equipment, but we're doing a lot with their um, service and maintenance. We do a lot in that aspect. Um, we have a service subscription program, which is great for anybody who just wanted to budget. We do it in multifamily university and, and hospital are our biggest markets with that, um, where they want to have just a set dollar amount for the year. And, and we have that where we're coming out on either a monthly, quarterly or annual basis, depending on how much they have. Um, and then, yeah, uh, multifamily's huge. Apartments, we do a lot in apartment complexes. We do a lot in corporate. And I would say that's probably the one that suffered the most uh, from COVID, kind of to move into that was our corporate aspect. Those, because so many people started working from home, and even now they have those hybrid models and whatnot, that the corporate gyms that were that employee perk, those have been, they're coming back. But that was probably the largest market that we saw affected by COVID. Um, gyms, surprisingly, people the people who love to go to the gym love to go to the gym. It's their social. It mm. is. It's so much. So it's not just they. They've been able if they made it through COVID when they were closed. They're they're doing well now, or they're they're on recovery mode for sure. So if you you have exclusivity with these manufacturers, sort of in the Midwest, like as an entrepreneur. How do you how do you stay motivated or not complacent, right? I know you have quotas you have to hit, mm-hmm. but like how you'd mentioned like introducing all these new ideas, like service, you know, monthly things. Like how do you keep evolving that when you know like you have these manufacturers on lock? I mean, as an entrepreneur, do you worry about them one day going poof? Like I like this person better. Um, you know, what sort of emotions or how do you, how do you handle that? I I never really thought about that. Now right. you're scaring me. <laughs> you know that anybody's. Um, but I guess it comes back to just everything. Like even I, it's relationships, and yeah. it's doing what you say. And if they come to me and say I want the, I'm expecting this. I'll be like I I will do my best, but I can promise you this. I will do my best to get there, and here's my plan. And I think that's part of it is being true to your word. And I do that with my employees. I do that with my customers. And I do that with my vendors is do what you say you're going to do. And if something's going to deviate, you just it's that communication and being honest about it. Um, if I'm going through a difficult time, I'm sure to tell that to them and be like, I'm struggling with this. I need, you know, and I'm open to hearing how they can help me solve that. Um, but I, I really think a lot of it is just doing what you say. And we've always done that as a company. We've never We've never overpromised, and if the few times that I can think where I was like, "Oh, I think we can," I was able to come into it even like partway through, being like, "Hold on a second, I thought I could do this, but I'm 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 having I'm coming across a challenge right now, and we got to figure this out." Yeah, so I would imagine during COVID there was a lot of challenges or you know fulfillment issues. Oh, it's terrible. Any any standout things that popped up? Then I, I think I love entrepreneurial stories that. 
I mean, reflection's easy. Hindsight, looking back, is is, a, is an easy thing to do. But while you were going through that, I mean, it as a consumer, retail on the industrial, whatever you want to call it, like it, it was chaos. I mean, there was people like you couldn't get a weight anywhere. I'm sure everybody and their brother wanted you to service their stuff. Like, how did you guys deal through that time? Well, and then we couldn't have employees in here for a certain amount of time. I mean, especially Mission, Michigan, we were on a we were on a lockdown for a minute. It, it was tough. Um, but I think everybody understood. That's the other thing. Like, we were all in this. It, my industry wasn't the only one affected. There were multiple industries affected. Like you said, everybody was. We just did the best we could. Um, and, and said, here's what I can do. Here's what I can't do. Um, I think the hardest part for that, like for us, because we were so commercial, you know, our average transactions, that was the hard part. It was just a lot of work for no money. That was, that was it. It was just, you know, you're scrambling. And when we would usually, you know, our average gym transaction might be 20 to $25,000. And then I'm moving to all consumer where the transaction is $200. Yeah. I need to have how many of those? I mean, it right. was, and, and the phone's ringing and you're lifting weights and you're, it's, it's just, you're loading people yourself. It was, it was nuts. It was nuts. But hopefully we never go back there. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. You mentioned something earlier. So you're trucking along in the company at some point, right? As an entrepreneur, you're probably like, what's next? You hit a certain clip of revenue and you said you bought your biggest competitor. Yeah. Like what as an entrepreneur led you to even have that thought? You know, if 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 you've got the manufacturers or you're doing your thing, like why why absorb or why go after it and purchase that business? It's really strange because I've I've looked at businesses before that one. I've looked at ones after that one. It just it was that it felt right. I loved the owner. We we were just so um, he's passed now, but he is, he, w- he was just such an amazing person and, um, value wise, we really lined up well. And he was in a situation as a lot of people in my particular industry are, and I don't know if there are others that are like it where, you know, this is very niche. A lot of it is individual owner and, and they don't know where you're going to pass this to books. You know, it's, it's kind of old school people. It, it was old school. So, you know, unlike, you're not selling to venture capital, you know, you're not being the the exit strategies are difficult. And I was able to provide him with with an exit strategy where he could still be involved and do things for as long as he wanted and do, you know, run it. And it, it just worked. It was one of those that just. It just worked. felt right. It just felt right from from day one, as soon as we even started, because the conversation started, actually, because his operations manager had suffered a very like out of nowhere, huge health issue. And it put a lot on him and he was getting so. And we were always friendly competitors. We would we would help each other out with things. We would talk business and da, da, da. And I arranged a lunch with him and I said, Dave, if you're ever thinking about leaving, let me know. If you're ever thinking about exiting the industry, give me a chance to to create an offer and see what we can do. And he did. So I think that's a really important tidbit that you just shared as an entrepreneur, like embrace competition and like befriend people in your industry. I think oftentimes, I don't know if it's just me, but I remember early on people be like, who's your biggest competitor? And, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I, I don't even know. 
number one. And I, I would love to talk to other people in my space just to like collaborate. And I've always viewed the world, I guess, in abundance where there's a lot of people that need XYZ services and I just need to do a better job or honestly, like you put out good in the world, good's going to come back. So for you, you you took that leap, you had a great relationship and then Mm -hmm. this opportunity presented itself. So reflecting back on that, right? So did you do that? Like what prompted you to, to do that? Was it they're doing this amount of revenue and it was such a great deal. Like how did you, how did you analyze that deal? So it made sense for the business and you. It's so weird. Like I said, it, I did it. It felt right. It's really strange to say. And it's weird because other ones that I've looked at, I've analyzed and analyzed and it, and it just didn't feel right. And it didn't look And then I would find it. This one looked terrible on paper. It was horrible on paper. Interesting. And it, it was one. And I will, I think, it was just more, we just were aligned in how we looked at the industry. Dave was the same way. This industry, here and anywhere, it's a huge industry. There's a piece of pie for this, for all the manufacturers. There, there's something to be had. But maintaining your integrity and doing what it is that you say you're going to do, that, that was something that we had in alignment. Providing service and, and having the whole thing, not just distributing products. We didn't do... We're not just distributing it. We're supporting it afterwards. We're delivering it. We're dealing with you for, we're in it with you for the long haul. Um, so we have to do a good job with it. We can, and you're buying your piece of equipment. It lasts a long time. So we need to do a good job because next time you come around, we want to be the person that you come to. And both him and I, we all, we, we aligned in that basic philosophy of business. So you've grown it to a good clip with a, with a good amount of people. How, how do you leading this company keep people motivated? You know, I, I almost look at your industry. I have a safe. I have a, a heavy safe in my my closet. Yeah. And I, I was thinking about it the other day, and I remember the movers moving that up my stairs. Yes. And I'm like, this is insane. Like, and I think about what your team does day in day out. How do you keep them motivated? How do you keep them bought into this whole, you know? Yeah, I love them up. That my they are. I, I mean, you you're actually one of the people that you told me. Remember when you said like, I will go. This is one of the people that I I'll be at the bike racks with them. I yeah. I will go. Any of my guys, I mean, they would be, but. I will, I will literally, I'll do anything for them. I, I really will. I, I, there's many situations uh, that come up that are personal. And if they're willing to work, they do work hard for me. And they, they work and get things done that I'm amazed by. And I hope I do the same for them. You know, I make sure I take care of them. And if they need anything... I'm there and we have, and that kind of goes back to it. And I think a lot of times, like as an entrepreneur, it's easy to get where you have so many employees and I've got these vendors and I've got these customers and da, 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 and I'm all over the place. But to your point, those guys, they're, they're the backbone of this. And I make sure that, that they're well taken care of and that they know I'm here to help with whatever it is. But I, I just, I just love them up. Yeah, I, I really, I can relate to that. And I think that there's a lot of nuggets with that statement. Um, 
you know, being an entrepreneur, rolling with the punches, having people's back. What I would refer to back in the day with people, it's like, hey, remember when like little Timmy or, you know, Johnny wanted to kick your ass at the tree at two o'clock? Yeah. Like, I'm the psycho guy that comes with you, right? And we'll right, kind of that's what I'm business. talking about. That's, and the, I, and that's think, the story. And I think that, you know, as an entrepreneur, I'm not big on like this kumbaya and we have to be family and it's all this because at the right. end of the day, it is business. But I think as an entrepreneur, you have to be flexible with people in real. I spent a lot of time thinking about personal family business. To me, those are the only right. three things that that really matter. And people say, oh, well, you know, business is separate than this and that's separate. Well, the reality is you've got to be doing pretty okay in all three. Otherwise, you're kind of a disaster at each one. So how do you how do you balance family like as you grew this company into where you're at today with kids, with spouses? Like, how do you juggle all that? Because especially through COVID, that's a crazy time and just running a business. What are what are some things that help you? You're probably going to say I, I work out. That helps, but. <laughs> Taking things, you know, I, I would go back to what you said. Honestly, the number one thing that, that does help me guide through it and, and that you, you say personal business family, but spiritual. And it doesn't, I don't mean religion. I, I really don't. I, I mean, having something that helps me that I feel like is bigger than me to guide me and things and that is for me what helps do the balance it helps me balance um that i kind of taking that time every day to just reflect pray and be like where am i needed right now and it's so funny to me because a lot of times i no, never i've never had it where all three are great i really wish right. i've never had it where but it is kind of funny to me that when one is really, really suffering or, or needs my attention, I shouldn't say suffering, but when one is, I feel like the other two help, help me get through it. When I'm having a hard time with my family, my business somehow seems to be okay, you know, whatever it is that, and I think, I, I don't know why, but I would say that there's some, something spiritual about that for me. So what does that process look like? I think it's interesting or it might, people might find it helpful like, is that you just take time in the morning to reflect and do that? You know, because here's the thing. A $7 million business and 40 people, that's a, that's a lot. Like, that, there's a lot yeah. of moving parts and a lot of things that go on. I think oftentimes people just look and they're like, oh, you know, just it can kind of fade in the background. But when you actually stop and think about that, like, there's a lot of moving parts. And then you have a family. And mm-hmm. then you have a spouse and all these different things going on. So is it, do you just... First thing in the morning, you're just taking quiet time or like what, what exactly oh, works? I'm not a morning person. Let's establish that. But I, I one thing actually I would say it was from Warren Rustin. I know you 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 know of him. That 10, 10, 10 aspect mm. helps me a bit. So I don't necessarily do 10, 10, 10, but I might. I, you I talk do, about that. Like what are the 10? What's the 10? What is the 10, 10, 10? So gratitude, journaling. Spend 10 minutes in gratitude. I, I I don't necessarily like I said I don't I just follow it more to what it what it is like I, I don't if it's gratitude you know that I think it's the intention and the gratitude those are kind of the two things is setting my intention for the day and it might not be the first thing you know I know I said like the first thing when you put your feet on the floor or whatever mine might be in the shower <laughs> whatever it is but I think the point of it is finding those things throughout your day and for me actually like journaling I'm better at it throughout the day or in the evening when I'm kind of feeling something but um but but the intention of that and and then the physical activity throughout the day even if 
I don't necessarily get to my full workout in the morning. I try to do it most mornings, but depending on the day, who knows? Um, I will at least do like stretching or something to get my body moving and and connected with my brain and I'm in a good place. Yeah, so Warren Rustan, he has, this guy is, I don't even know what I would call him. I mean, I've seen a lot of speakers. I've met a lot of really great people over the years. He's he To me, he's one of top five. I mean- He's amazing. So much respect, so much. Yeah, I'm enamored anytime this guy speaks. And I mean, he worked closely with presidents. He's yeah. got to be doing something right. And I forget what it's called, but it, you, you can search Warren Rustan 10, 10, 10. Yeah. Now, do you feel like, have you always been like that? Or like, did something, because I, I, an entrepreneurial journey for me, it's like everything you learn, you take in. I know we've met, we originally met through EO. So mm-hmm. at some point, like, when did you connect with EO or like other entrepreneurs and did that help you with the business? Or can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, it, it's, it's, I think it's one of the best experiences I've ever, it, it's helped me a lot with the business. It's also been some things that, that I've tried and I've been like, shouldn't have done that. You know, there's certain things in it that, but I always feel like connecting with entrepreneurs, it does a few things. It gives me a lot of energy. It, that's one thing. I, I think the ideas and it inspires me and it motivates me to keep on. Um, and then I would say I learned that it gives me ideas too. It, it gives me ideas and I, I try to stay away from, but it also is when I do have difficulty, I find this group, the entrepreneurial group, at least to be more objective about it. It's not like this, well, is he, oh my God. And da, da, da. it's like, okay, I've been there. I've done that. And this is what I've done to get through it. And it, it's not, I don't feel like a failure when I say it when I have bring my problems because it's kind of like, oh yeah, been there. Here we go. Here's how it did. And here's how you can get through this. And her, here's how I did. And that to me has been the biggest word. I'm not met with, I met with like, oh yeah, that happens. Yeah. I had a conversation with a podcast guest uh, and, and we were talking about, you know, it's, it's hard being an entrepreneur and even if you make it or find success, it's like lonely at the top. But then who do you, who do you talk to and trust? And we started talking about like organizations like EO, YPO, mm-hmm. where this is a tribe of other entrepreneurs that have found some type of success where the reality is, yeah, you can get objective feedback. And I think as an entrepreneur, sometimes you live life with blinders on and you know, your employees aren't going to say, hey, do this or, you know, you need to get mm-hmm. better at that. You know, you're, you're essentially paying, paying them. Um Right. So to have other people that are going through the same sort of things as you are, I think is really helpful. Definitely. So focus. Okay. So fast forward 2024. Uh, yeah. Today's like the third or fourth day into January. Everybody's yeah. like, let's go. Let's work out. Let's make some capital yeah. investments in our building and get some some gym equipment. Like what what are you focused on now um, for, for 2024? Your timing is great. So I just had my like kickoff meeting with my team yesterday and I told him, I said, this year, because last few have, have been a lot of like, we've been investing into, we've, we've done a lot of investing into the company. And this year is my, let's stay where we are. Let's serve our customers really, really well. Um, I'm not looking to go into, I'm, I'm looking to go into more, I'll go back to that bigger isn't better. I want to really hone in and make this profitable. And um, my team is is fantastic. And I'd like to, I told them, I, I want to just kind of keep us where we're at and let's do better. Hone our, just hone in on what we're good at. 
and make money with it. And, and I, I'm not looking to, this year is, I'd like to stay. I'd like to stay where I'm at. Yeah, I'm curious. And I, I think other entrepreneurs would be curious, like, how do you, how do you approach getting new business? I mean, what's a tactic for your space, right? Because I, I would imagine you're going after hospitals, you're going after big industrial. I mean, you mentioned projects are 20, 40 grand. I mean, that's a, that's a big ticket item relative yeah. to, you know, Sally, you know, residential wants a, you know, $300 sure. treadmill. Like, how do you, how do you go about that? I mean, you have a well-established business, but what's that day-to-day sort of, how do we fill that pipeline and get new opportunities? Yeah. Well, a lot of it. So even for our pipeline for this year is fantastic. I'm, 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 it's been wonderful. Our number one is, is word of mouth and, and doing the best we can. Um, we just we just got the city of Detroit contract, which is huge. Awesome. I'm almost like, okay, hold on. We need to do this well. I don't know that I can take on any more of these. We need to do this really well because if I do, we do a great job with city of Detroit. Every other city is going to be calling us and being like, look at how wonderful this is. Um, that's what we do with a lot of, like, to me, it's word of mouth. And it's, there's not a lot of us. So if you're looking for it, we come up pretty easily. It just becomes, you know, can can we do it? And can we do it well? And can we meet the expectations? And how do you establish that? Like, how do you land something like the city of Detroit? I mean, that that's a big deal. And to your point, you're a great entrepreneur because you're already like, you've already like done that in your mind. And like, if we do a good job, then we're going to get this, this, and this, and this. Right. As a good entrepreneur. But like how, you know, for, for an entrepreneur listening, how, you know, how, how do you, what's the sales cycle like that? Like, what does that look like? And how do you make yourself stand out to get the city of Detroit to believe in you that you're going to fulfill and do a great job? Because I've done it before. Yep. And that's how that comes about. I have, my reps are so, they're, they're experienced. They, and one of the things we do, we, we aren't just out there to give you what, if I, if I see it or any of my reps see it and we get this bid and it's got this stuff on it and we're like, this is not going to be a successful place. Like we will go over and say, here's some of the issues that we're seeing here. And we consult on it to make them the most successful, but we will not set ourselves up for failure with it. And by doing that and following through on what we say, most of the time it results in, and I, I went to this place. I mean, you've been to the gyms that we've done. You've mm-hmm. seen them. They're nice. They, they, everything. And, and we keep things up and running. And that to me becomes a lot of people when they're looking at it, they're like, oh, what did this company do for their gym? I've been here and it looks like this was, this looks like what I wanted to do. That's the majority of the leads that we get. That's the majority of the conversations that come through are, are with that. Um, we, we do a lot of trade shows. That's the other thing. We'll, we'll do a lot of trade shows that are to the markets that we're looking for so that they know who we are. They know what we do. That's how we get a lot of, we're involved in a lot of, um, for example, like the Detroit Metro Apartment Association or the Property Management Associations. We're involved in those different industry trade organizations where we can let them know who we are. Um, we get involved in them. Well, it's just the basics. It's, it's building relationships. It's doing a good job. Is that where you focus most of your time? Is just the relationship that you, know, you mentioned employees, you have vendors, you have clients. I mean, is that where you spend yep. the majority of your time? Yep. And that's why I, I love that part. That's probably my favorite part. And that's why I love being an entrepreneur. I love I love the relationship aspect of it. That's my favorite. Well, I think sometimes as, as an entrepreneur, it can get confusing, right? Because on some 
some things you read or listen to, people say, oh, like, rise up and delegate. Don't be in the weeds. You know, delegate the relationship stuff. You, you know. Sure. Do it where you feel comfortable. Yeah. For me, for me, I like getting in the weeds. I, I, I don't, I kind of, I don't know. Like, I like to come out and look at it from, from the 10,000 feet. But I, I can't make informed decisions for me personally. I know other people probably can, but I can't make decisions knowing that this is going to affect so many people without getting in there for a minute. You know, I, I like going on installations. I will, I will show up for them. I, I like calling customers that aren't necessarily my customer. It might be one of my, my salespeople and just kind of seeing how things go. So I think you're in a unique situation because your your spouse is an entrepreneur too. Yeah. Yeah. So that's got to make for some, uh, you know, interesting conversations or, you know, two very different industries, right? So if he's in the restaurant industry, like how is that played in? I mean, I, you know, my spouse isn't an entrepreneur. She right. doesn't think the way I think. It's probably a good thing, honestly. But, <laughs> you know, for you guys, like how, how how does that sort of play out? I mean, is that is that motivating? Do you guys give each other tips and tricks or war stories or... Yeah, it's both. I mean, Dom is, uh, to me, he he's in the rest of it. He will, he'll be like, I fatten him up. She, she <laughs> takes him. He's always got like fun things to say with it. But um, his industry to talk. I, I, I mean, when I see talk about one during COVID, phew, that was that was so majorly affected. But um, I think he's, yeah, that's been a big part. Having that sounding board, uh, it's kind of odd because it's sometimes coming home, it's like, you know, we've got to put these aside for a minute and, and just have a regular relationship and have a regular family. Um, but from, it, he's great to bounce things off of. It, one of the hardest workers I've ever met, like I just, and, and talk about his leadership style, I've learned a lot from, and, and his is very, very relationship-based um, and very sincere. It's never like, it comes very natural is what I would say. Like, it's not, oh, I'm going to try. I'll be like, oh, I read this in a book and I'm going to give this a shot. And da, 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 da. His is very instinctual and and very like delving into it and, and seeing what's going on and picking it apart and then addressing it in a very human and sincere fashion. Um, I, like he could have written, one of my favorite books is uh, Crucial Conversations. Mm -hmm. It's a short book. It's one of those that just you can figure out how those hard conversations that you have. It's like he could have written it. He's he's very naturally able to have those and it doesn't feel awkward. I learned that from him. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that's, and again, I think that's a, a great nugget as an entrepreneur of just I think the word to me is authenticity, like be yourself and I think he's successful because he's a likable guy. He's a genuine guy and people want to fight hard for you when they yeah. like you and you're genuine and you're not trying to put on a front or be something you're not. So the restaurant is Crow's Nest and Can. I, I think, I honestly can say, I think that has the Crow's Nest has the best pizza I think I've had ever. <laughs> I actually grew up in Canton. So everybody I've ever came in contact with about Dominic has been like best, best guy I've ever met. Um, so that's cool that you guys have kind of Go to war during the day, run your business, and I, I like your feedback around try to normalize it at home, right? Yeah, because you it, have it to be chaotic. It could be, yeah, and it is at times. 
Well, Kristen, uh, I really appreciate the share. There's a lot of nuggets yeah. that you provided today. Uh, how can people find you? I mean, I think a lot of my entrepreneurial people and like if somebody wants some home equipment, I know a lot of people are investing back in their homes. I did some yeah. stuff in my garage. Is that something you'll help people with? Absolutely. I mean, we've got locations here in, um, I'm in Livonia. We have a location on the west side in Jenison. So you can find us online at www.fitnessthings.com. You can stop in. I'm usually here and I'm happy to have somebody drop in and say hi anytime. Um, email, LinkedIn, Facebook, whatever. I'm all over the place. Awesome. Well, thank you, Kristen. My pleasure. Thank you. This wasn't so, got my first podcast under my belt. It's awesome. So thank you. If you learned something today, please share the podcast. Uh, thank you again, Kristen. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. This has been another episode of uh, Entrepreneur Intel. See you next time. Thanks. This has been another episode of Entrepreneur Intel. Thank you for joining us. For show notes or other episodes, please visit us at entrepreneurintel.com. Until next time.